What is up, everyone? My name is OJ Tucker, host of the OJ Tucker podcast, the only comedy trends podcast that talks about a political and societal culture as a whole. My name is OJ Tucker, as the name would suggest. Happy Thursday. Hopefully, you guys are getting ready for your weekend, spending time with your families, your friends, watching tennis along the way. Just want to let you guys know that uh, this is an actual reshoot of the podcast. Uh, I originally did this podcast earlier today on Wednesday, uh, but because of the fact that the audio file was not saved properly, I will ha- be having to do this podcast again. So if I feel irate or seem irate or mad or frustrated, it comes from an honest perspective and it comes from a perspective where I'm uh, being very authentic in a lot of ways. So um, just know that if I'm ever mad throughout this entire podcast, that's the reason why. Uh, it's not the to- the topics per se. Uh, I want to be very clear there. It's not the topics. It's mostly the fact that I try to save this audio file earlier in the day, but for some reason GarageBand was being flimsy as it always is. And because of that, I will, I'm doing this podcast once again. So uh, I decided to do it again because I'm like, you know what? Might as well give you guys a free episode, even though it's going to take years out of my life, even though it's going to take years out of, out of my uh, life. Uh, just know that it comes from a perspective of, hey, I want to make sure that I give some form of content for you guys. You know, obviously, as Gary Vee would say, content is king, marketing is queen. And uh, as we all know, Gary Vee is a very sane and rational guy. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I just want to say that before I really get into the thing. So there's a little bit of news that we can get into for today. In terms of news outside the tennis world, we can end this podcast with Will Smith and Chris Rock, how they still have not made the bridges correctly. They have not dapped up. They have not been able to see eye to eye. Will Smith has yet to apologize to Chris Rock. And as, as I said in my previous episode, I do want to continue this conversation and this will probably be the nail in the coffin for that conversation. So this will probably be the last time I address the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing in regards to Chris Rock special, because at some point or another, it just gets tiring. It gets cumbersome. You know, it's, it's, it's just not, it just, it just gets boring and stale and repetitive. So I, I feel like this will be like the last time that I discuss it, uh, but we can discuss that. We'll discuss Will Smith and Chris Rock not seeing eye to eye. Will Smith having yet to apologize to Chris Rock. We can also discuss White House's press secretary laughing at Marianne's 2024 bid. She was asked at a at a press briefing about Marianne's 2024 bid, and she alluded to the fact that she was that she didn't have a crystal ball, that she can't really tell the future. So obviously, a few clear disses to Marianne Williamson for obviously her profession. But we'll discuss that as well in regards to the press secretary making fun and belittling that of, say, Marianne Williamson. Uh, in terms of news within the tennis world, we can discuss Breakpoint Season 2 releasing next year. And obviously, they'll be taking footage from several tennis players and chronicling several tennis players' lives and journeys from this year, from Roland Garros to Wimbledon to U.S. Open, and putting it for next year's season. So I'll give you my overall thoughts on that and why I do think it's nice and whatnot, but I also think that it's a missed opportunity to document other events in tennis that have made tennis the sport it is today. So I'll give you my overall thoughts on all of that. Obviously, the Drive to Need to Survive, Drive to Survive show did a huge impact on all these other sports that are on the up and up or on the come up. But uh, obviously, it's been influenced in a lot of ways by that documentary. So 
Give me my overall thoughts on that in regards to the Breakpoint Season 2 announcement. But where we'll start off today will be on Novak Djokovic being out of the Indian Wells in Miami Open due to the fact that he's not vaccinated. So as we all know, Novak Djokovic has not been vaccinated yet. Uh, and because of that, he's not been able to play several tournaments. Uh, the U.S. Open most famously, the Australian Open last year, I've chronicled that on my podcast clips channel, which all the videos are now deleted for that. So you will not be able to watch that, but... If you're able to watch on the podcast, just type in Novak Djokovic Australian Open and you can find it. Uh, overall, I, my thoughts have been stead clear and steadfast and consistent, clear and consistent, where I think it's kind of wrong to banish a player or to ban a player from your tournament or to restrict a player from your tournament just because they, they haven't been vaccinated. Obviously, obviously it's not uh, the Miami Open's fault. It's not... The Indian Wells Masters fault, obviously, they're just following instructions by the government. The government is telling Novak Djokovic that, hey, you cannot enter if you're unvaccinated. And because of that, he's not able to play. In fact, that's the overall rule for anyone who's not vaccinated. Uh, so I'll break down into it. This is from The Guardian. So Novak Djokovic withdraws from Indian Wells over U.S. visa Rome. Novak Djokovic has withdrawn from the Indian Wells event in California that starts on Wednesday after being unable to secure an exemption in order to enter the U.S. and compete in the first Masters 1000 tournament of the season. He'll be replaced by Nikola Basilashvili. All right, so I want to say this. Nikola Basilashvili has been accused of beating his wife. And that's the clearest thing I can say. That's the... And I'm not sugarcoating that. Like, that's... It's... It's alleged, like I'll, I'll say alleged because I don't want to get sued here. I mean, after Brett Favre sued Matt, Pat McAfee, anything, anybody can get sued. So I don't want to get sued by Nikola Basilashvili, but he's been accused of beating his own wife. So it's weird to see the morals and values that are that, right? Like if you think that at any point or time that being unvaccinated or, or not willing to ingest a multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical product is equivalent to... To that of say beating your wife just leave just just get out of this video like i don't, I don't want you because at the end of the day it's it, this is worse uh the fact that there's not outrage over this is far worse than say uh no and again that's what i heard from the commentary team when basilashvili was playing murray at the 2021 Wimbledon, uh one of the second or third rounds of Wimbledon. Or first round, maybe. Maybe first round. Anyways, it was like the earlier rounds of Wimbledon. Andy Murray played against Nikola Basilashvili. And I heard one of the commentary teams saying it. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of bad. So, yeah, pretty bad. Uh, the U.S. does not allow, back to the article, the U.S. does not allow unvaccinated foreigners to enter the country, but the government will end its COVID-19 emergency declaration on, on May 11th. Djokovic had applied for an exemption with parameters for receiving one, including if a person's presence in the U.S. is deemed to be in the natural interest of the country. In recent days, oh, by the way, the go the government is ending its COVID declaration on May 11th. That's good news. Uh, it should be sooner. It should be now. It should be today. It should. If this is one of the most urgent things you should do as a, as a country, as a government, if you are a country or a government that values freedom, that values the idea for people to make their own choices. You got to make sure that people make their own choices with a vaccine. You know, if some people don't want to get vaccinated, that's up to them. You know, we should not force individuals to be vaccinated against their will and to end it on May 11th. That's nice. But again, it's it's best if you do it today and right now. Honestly, it should be done in the past year or so. I mean, one, I mean once COVID and the likeliness to die of COVID was mitigated because of the vaccine or because of other reasons because of antibodies that's when it should have ended 
but again, it's the government. The government's inept at everything. Um, so yeah, let's get back into it. In recent days, Djokovic's recent application has attracted significant attention with the Florida senators, Marco Rubio and Rick Sott, writing that U.S. President Joe Biden is in support of an exemption. The U.S. Open and Miami Open organizations took the unusual step of posting statements to their social media accounts on Friday in support of Djokovic, expressing hope he would be allowed to compete in the country. Djokovic, who received some criticism for withdrawing from Indian Wells last year after the draw had been made, said last week that he would be that he would pull out before the draws this year if his application was not settled. The Indian Wells qualifying draw was made shortly after his exit on Sunday. Uh, in addition to missing Indian Wells in Miami for two consecutive years because of his vaccination status, last year Djokovic was not allowed to compete in the U.S. summer hardcourt swing, including the U.S. Open, and he was deported from the Australian Open. Obviously, I, do, I documented all of that on my podcast channel and some on my podcast clips channel, but key, uh, just, just go on my podcast channel uh, and you can see all the videos. For me, my thoughts have been quite clear. My thoughts have been quite consistent. This is just a witch hunt since the beginning i mean even with the ocean open it's been a witch hunt to essentially ban anybody from entering your country just because they didn't accept a pharmaceutical product into their bloodstream it is barbaric and again we've been dealing with COVID for what three four years now it started back in 2020 it's 2023 we're entering into year four we understand the risk of having COVID. we understand the symptoms of having COVID. we understand uh the drawbacks to having covid we understand the the waiting time to recover from covid we understand now that covid as of this moment in time does not do as much damage as it once did so with that all being said why are we still using these antiquated rules in place to stop actual individuals from being able to enter a country especially individuals that are able to reshape economies Right? I don't think people will understand this, but Novak Djokovic is able to reshape an economy as soon as he starts to play tennis at that, at that country's stadium, at that country's tournament. He, is, he moves the needle for tennis. So to, for some reason, bar him from playing tennis, and this, just not, this doesn't go for just Novak Djokovic, but for any tennis player, it's just wrong and, I, and, an idea, and just horrible. And that's just not that. That doesn't go for just tennis players in general. I mean, for anybody, for any human civilian to be barred from a country just because they didn't get vaccinated, I just think that's wrong. And again, if you want to be, if you want people to be educated on the vaccine, then by all means, educate them on the vaccine. That's great. That's wonderful. If you think the vaccine works, hey, you do you. That's great. If you think the vaccine does wonders, that's great. But to force somebody to get vaccinated against their will, to me, that just seems barbaric. And it just seems to me forced compliance. And I don't think you're going to get an effective messaging across once you have that in place. So I'm sorry, I just can't support this whatsoever. I just cannot support this idea of, of forcing individuals to be vaccinated against their own will because it doesn't help anybody whatsoever. And again, Novak Djokovic does take care of himself. He has a very rigorous diet. You know, he really focuses on putting his all on court. He's very physically active and healthy. And and to think that he has the same comorbidities as somebody that's fat, I mean, I just think that's just weird to, to assume. You know, and again, I sound like a broken record because I've, I've made this abundantly clear on so many podcasts last year. And again, I'm I right because I'm filming this podcast again, okay? Like, the GarageBand application is horrible, okay? I mean, all... all Audio file apps are bad, but but GarageBand might take the cake. I'm I'm going to be quite honest with you. And I like Steve Jobs. Obviously, he's a pioneer, but it's bad. Um, so yeah, it, it's 
getting back to the discussion here, it does not make any sense. And if the United States government had any sort of of pulse on pop culture or on, on just on, on the culture war in general, they would end this immediately. It makes no sense to continue this. Uh, Ron DeSantis actually chimed in with this. And by the way, I'm not a big fan of Ron DeSantis, but he said what he said, and he's kind of true. So the only thing keeping Novak, this is uh, Ron DeSantis' tweet on Novak Djokovic. So Ron DeSantis actually gave his two cents on Novak Djokovic being barred from being able to play at these U.S. tennis tournaments and being barred from being able to enter the country of the United States. So this is Ron DeSantis. So the only thing keeping Novak Djokovic from participating in the Miami Open tennis tournament is President Biden's misguided and unscientific COVID vaccination requirement for foreign travelers. Mr. President, lift your restrictions and let him compete. Overall, he is right. I think it's very, very important that for a country that values freedom, that we show our freedom for other individuals that may not have the same sort of mindset as us. You know, for me, for a country that really values freedom, it's important that individuals that aren't vaccinated, who are who decided to not be vaccinated, that they too can be able to play and do well and be able to live their lives as usual. And, and even though I'm not a big fan of DeSantis, I, I, do, I truly don't like the guy. Uh, I do think that he is right in this instance, in this regard. So yes, overall, Rhino DeSantis is correct. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, people should follow suit. People should follow suit. And again, if I'm mad, understand, well-intentioned. Uh, but yeah, overall, things have to change. You know, things have to change. You know, to go on to year four, acting as if COVID is this deadly thing as it once was in 2020 or what, what it was projected to be in March 2020. We've already taken so many years of our lives due to this virus. To continue to act as if it's this, you know, treacherous thing it's just bad and by the way i'm not going to sit here and see like oh the vaccines are not effective i'm not going to do that that's not what i'm trying to say okay youtube if you're watching this do not ban me i'm not saying that if anything it mitigates the severity but i think the one thing that we can all admit is that the goalpost did move a lot when it was first announced the vaccines were being rolled out you know it was once promised that if you were vaccinated, that you would be fully immune from the from the virus. That's what we were promised by individuals on, on television. I mean, Rachel Maddow said that. Rachel Maddow, Maddow said that if you were vaccinated, the first vaccine, the the first vaccine dose that you were given, if you were vaccinated, you would be fully immune from the virus. And many individuals follow that same rhetoric, and they said that same rhetoric. And then they move the goalposts. They're like, oh no, if you get the second dose, you'll be completely fine. You'll 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 not be able to get COVID. And then the third dose and fourth dose. And now you see individuals with fourth doses of of these vaccines still getting COVID. So it's like at the end of the day, I'm not saying that you can't. I'm not saying that it doesn't work. Obviously, it does work, right? It does work. But at the same time, you they move the goalposts a lot. And at at some point, some something's gonna give here, right? Right? If you get a vaccine for chickenpox, it stops you from getting chickenpox. I think I should stop there before you know the feds get in on me. So overall, those are my thoughts on the Novak Djokovic situation. Um, yeah, I just think at this moment in time, we should just focus on resuming life as normal. Yeah, I mean, COVID stinks. You know, it's bad. You know, if, especially if they have comorbidities. But at this moment in time... We've been educated. We understand the risk. We understand the severities. We understand the symptoms. We understand how we can get better and the ailments that we can take to make sure that we can get past this virus. And thankfully, we're business as usual. But again, for foreigners, for travelers, it's going to be difficult for them uh, because of this vaccine requirement that's still in place until May 11th. And Novak Djokovic is involved in this, and I think it's very important that we get him an, an exemption. 
as we give everyone else an exemption, not just Novak Djokovic, but everyone else who decides to not be vaccinated because of COVID, uh, because the, uh, due to COVID, the, who decide not to get the COVID vaccine. It's very, very important that we also give them exemptions as well, because this is a, an, 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 this encroaches on our freedom and our liberties and our ability to make our own choices. Overall, those are my thoughts on that. Uh, let's get into our next topic for tennis. So Netflix has announced the Breakpoint Season 2 uh, has announced... Let me start that over. Netflix has announced the Season 2 of the Breakpoint documentary series. This is following the series of following tennis players, chronicling their lives, playing this sport, giving it their all. The first season, I w- as I've mentioned on this podcast... I was not a big fan of it. I'll be very, very clear here. I was not a big fan of it. Um, there were certain episodes that I did enjoy. Paula Badosa's episode was very, very eye-opening. Uh, she is just an amazing, amazing tennis player. Uh, but there are certain other episodes within this show where I'm like, eh. I mean, I understand it. I understand you're chronicling this guy's life, but it, it, it follows the same beats and patterns after a while. And it's not that enjoyable after some time. So... It's, it's announcing season two of Breakpoint. I'll just get at this. This is from Deadline. So Netflix is taking another shot at both Full Swing and Breakpoint. The streamer has renewed its sports docuseries uh, for a second season. It comes after a golf series Full Swing teed off on February 15th and Breakpoint served up its first season on January 13th. Filming has started on both to capture the 2023 seasons. Similarly, Breakpoint follows top tennis stars including Nick Kyrgios, Taylor Fritz, and Owens Jabour on it as off the court across the ATP and WTA tours. It is produced by Box to Box Films with Martin Gay Reese, executive producing. Uh, that is a very sad name, Gay, Gay Reese. I really feel bad for him or her. I don't know. Or it's, I don't know the pronouns. Uh, so Gay Reese, my apologies for your name. I hope you are able to uh, continue life. Uh, so Gay Reese, executive producing. First part of the series launched with five episodes with a further five episode launching in June. These shows quickly appealed to core fans of golf and tennis and also recruited brand new fans from all around the world, said Brandon Reed, VP Unscripted and Documentary Series Netflix. Like so much of our growing sports slate, the compelling characters, competitive stakes, and vibrant storytelling reveal sides of the game you've never been seen before, and we're excited to follow the unpredictable turns of the year ahead. All right, so overall, the second season of Breakpoint is on full swing, and it will be happening in 2024 based off of the players that they put a spotlight on for this year now overall i will say this i hope that the documentary is good one of the reasons as to why i didn't really enjoy the first season of the documentary was because of the fact that the players that were involved with that documentary while there are really good tennis players and obviously taylor fritz has done well he won the miami one last year i mean not miami uh indian wells i think he won the party by open last year Nick Kyrgios was able to reach the London final, lost in four sets, but still won the uh, won the first. Overall, these are some great tennis players, but I do want to see the A list caliber tennis players make their performances on this documentary. Whether it's Rafa Nadal, Djokovic, Daniel Medvedev, Carlos Alcaraz, you know, these are the individuals that I consider to be A list individuals that have at least won one major in their career thus far. And that's what I think the focus should be on. Obviously, these are great tennis players that I mentioned before, whether it's Fritz, Owens Jabour, Nick Kyrgios. I think Owens Jabour has won a major, I'm not so sure. But in, strictly within the A to B side of things, I think it would be much more interesting if you included 
a Djokovic, a Nadal, a Medvedev, a Alcaraz, because at least they've shown to succeed. With the last documentary, the last season documentary, all the individuals that were in that documentary were not able to progress to the later rounds of that Australian Open. And because of that, it really took a hit on the popularity and the viewership of the Australian Open that could have been there if those individuals happened to play in the second week of that major. So I think that's something that they got to focus on. Make sure that individuals are able to see these players in the second week of, say, Grand Slam as soon as that documentary is over. Because as you know, this documentary will be taking a, a week before either the Australian Open or the French Open, I assume. And as they should. I mean, that's the best marketing for your next major. So overall, I hope that's the case where they do bring those individuals out. And, and to a, even to a bigger extent, I hope that there could be a documentary out there that really documents tennis, but not just in the modern day lens of tennis, but just in rivalries in general, whether it's Bjorg and McEnroe detailing that rivalry and really having a sit-down documentary and sit-down interview with those two individuals for that documentary. Whether it's that of, say, Agassi and Sampras. You know, I would love to see a documentary on Agassi and Sampras, the rivalries that they had, the battles that they had, the matches that they had, you know, how they were different individuals, both on and off the court, you know, and have them both sit down and give their own recollections of their own stories. I would love to see that. And not only that, but just even, let's take it even modern day, Rafa Nadal and Roger Federer, Djokovic and Murray, these rivalries, you know, I would love to see a documentary akin to that of, say, like Dark Side of the Ring, but not that dark and depressing for tennis. I think that would be such a wonderful thing to see. Uh, so overall, I think that's what should happen. Like, if you want to make a documentary on tennis, make sure that it, that there's other forms to it, you know, add to the pantheon of it. You know, I'm not saying be like the MCU for tennis. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that make sure that people get a good understanding of the sport so that they end up enjoying it, you know, because sometimes hearing about old stories actually makes you grow more fond of a sport or a piece of entertainment. You know, when you when I was watching The Dark Side of the Ring, when I saw that video on the Montreal Screwjob, I'm like, bro, like this match between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels in Survivor Series 1997 changed everything for that company it you know created this rise of mr mcmahon it, it started the attitude era you know you saw rock and austin and i think you know at making sure that there's a wrestling like element for these documentaries especially when you're you know going through revisionist history i think that actually adds to the sport in a lot of ways so overall i hope that's the case you know i hope that we're able to see more documentaries of that caliber you know, and maybe even take a page out of 30 for 30. You know, all those 30 for 30 documentaries back when I used to watch it were great. And whether it's Pony Excess, whether it's the Fab Five, whether it is Four Days in October, um, you know, June 17th, 1994. I think that's the date where the O.J. Simpson murder happened. The Rangers won this, uh, had the Stanley Cup parade and there was an NBA Finals match happening. I think that was that date. But I mean, that was a great documentary. I really loved it. So overall... Hopefully they're able to do that because there's a lot of potential to here. And maybe it's because I watch so much tennis that I don't really fall in love with this documentary. I'm sure if I was a complete casual of the sport, I would definitely be enthralled by it. But as a guy that truly enjoys tennis, I just want to see more of that. I want to see more like, I want to see tennis players break down the X's and O's of playing an Andy Murray. You know, I want to see 
you know, Taylor Fritz break down the X's and O's of trying to win the BMP Paribas Open against Rafa Nadal and how he's able to do that and how he was able to go like step by step to make sure that he was able to get points won. You know, that's what I wanted to see. Like I want to see point construction, shot construction from the individuals that were able to construct those shots. And, and again, maybe I'm, I'm being so geeky and nerdy about it. I'm, I'm well aware of that, but I'm just saying that those are certain ways that you could really up the ante of the documentary so that not only casuals can enjoy it, but those who really truly enjoy tennis can also enjoy it as well. Obviously, I understand that it's meant for the casual viewer. It's meant for the casual fan. I'm well aware of that. But I'm, I'm just saying that these little like ticks, these little punch-ups can really add a lot to the documentary. Uh, so yeah, overall, I think those are some ways that you can really see the documentary do well is by adding those, incorporating those into that. Again, I, I'm just saying this because I really want to see the sport of tennis grow, right? I really want to see the tennis grow. I really want to see the sport of tennis grow. And when you see individuals within that documentary not be able to play in that second week, besides FAA, it, it's, it does take a toll. It really does. And I'm sure people enjoy it. I, I think... Uh, issue with the documentary that I also had was making Nick Kyrgios the first episode, especially with what he's currently going through. I didn't think it was that necessary to have him as the first episode. If anything, I thought it was kind of a detriment in a lot of ways. Um, so overall, hopefully they're able to pick individuals that aren't going through pending uh, domestic charges. Uh, and again, he admitted he was guilty to it, so I don't know if it's pending. But yeah, overall, they're able to add those sort of things to it again if it's all or nothing it, it, i mean if it's all that's that's amazing that's wonderful if it's uh, some of the things that i mentioned that's i think that's ideal um but overall those are some of the things that i thought could have added to that documentary to make it even better um but again overall season two hopefully it's good i mean i think netflix is just looking to sell it at this moment i think netflix knows that they're not really making a profit when you when you see them adding advertising to their platform you're like yeah this is not a good sign for netflix uh so i think they're just building a library building their cachet so that they can sell it for a billion dollars or northwards of a billion dollars to like peacock or to viacom to nbc universal comcast to Walt Disney, maybe they're doing that. I'm, I assume that it's what they're doing, uh, because I, I don't know if I don't. I don't think just because they have a season two, it means it's it's a success. Because there's a lot of shows that have a season two on Netflix that didn't really get that many eyeballs to begin with. So who knows? Maybe they'll just have a season two and then be done with it. Um, I'm sure documentaries like these don't really cost that much. So maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, overall. Hopefully, um, people enjoy the next season. I hope I enjoy the next season. I really do hope I enjoy the next season because this was a pain to get through. Uh, and if I see another review for uh, an episode, I, I will literally, I will, I will literally burn this audio file again. I will burn this audio file again if I see another review for an, another episode of this po- of, of this of this of this documentary because it's not necessary it really isn't it's not breaking bad it's not the wire it's a documentary chronicling the lives of of these individuals i get it you know people are starved for content but to see reviews for these episodes i'm like bruh what are we doing here like it's it's not that important it really isn't it's just it's, it's just whatever it's just like a day in the life of a tennis player but with a Netflix budget. That's what it is. Um, but that's about it. I, I just want to say that. That's not a diss to anybody, by the way. You know, people, well, people will take that as a diss. It's not a diss. I'm just saying that 
what nothing <laughs> i'll stop while i'm ahead again i i i'm i got in a pissy mood because the audio file for the original podcast was done oh was, was uh was uh deleted even though i tried to export song to disc multiple times and even though i tried to save it multiple times for some reason it got deleted i love GarageBand. i think it's the greatest thing ever I love a garage band. I would blow garage band. If garage band was a was a man, I would blow garage band. Uh, anyways, let's get into our next bit of discussion here. Uh, news outside of tennis. So the White House press secretary is laughing at Marion Williamson, our queen, our mother, Marion Williamson's 2024 bid, and it's just mad. it just makes me mad. Uh, so White House press secretary Karine Karina Karine Jean Pierre. When asked if President Biden is annoyed by Marion Williamson announcing your 2024 presidential bid, just not tracking that. I mean, if I had a crystal ball, then I can tell you if I can, if I can feel her aura. Um, that, that's I assume that's how she sounds. I think she sounds like a smug, condescending tool bag, and that's me saying it lightly. But yeah, I'm not surprised by it. It's the Biden administration, uh, obviously. She's not going to win, and I say this as a fan of her. Like I'm a full-fledged Marianne Williamson supporter. Like I, I don't really support anybody for president, but I will support Marianne Williamson because to me she seems genuine and authentic. And while there are positions of hers that I don't really think are that helpful, whether it's Ukraine, her overall thoughts on Ukraine, or that is say Israel-Palestine, uh, I th- I felt like her overall conversation with James Cameron in regards to Israel-Palestine could have been better, uh, but. In my opinion, at least she comes off as genuine, as a person that has her heart in the right place and really wants to do well for the American people, which you really can't say with the current administration in charge. You really can't. So overall, uh, I do support her. I do like her. Um, And I I think she comes from a well place, from a well-meaning place. And that's one of the things that I've noticed about individuals that work within the Biden administration is that they really can't handle that. And when I see this, when I see, you know, Karine Jean-Pierre, you know, making fun of Mary Wilson, I mean, obviously Biden will win the primary. I mean, he's the sitting president of the United States. It's very rare that a challenger to the sitting president of the United States wins a primary against said sitting president of the United States. Um, But again, they're not learning anything from their past battles, whether it was Trump in 2016 or even Bernie in 2020 when he was making a run for primary for office, even Bernie in 2016. The more you treat this person like a cancer the more you treat this person like as persona non grata the more they do well within your own base because then people realize oh if they're crapping on this person so much or not giving her the benefit of the doubt there maybe there's something to this person and then when they see mary Wilson go on tour and go on speaking engagements or just go on go on tour saying, oh, we need universal health care. We need to bring our troops back home. People are like, oh, yeah, she's pragmatic. She's coming from a place that is well-intentioned. So as always, you know, the Biden administration is just shooting themselves in the foot. I'm not that surprised by it. Uh, I, I, I mean, I really am not surprised by that whatsoever. But again, it's just sad to see that. It really is because at the end of the day, like you expect more. Uh, but at the same time, you can because at the end of the day, Nothing really changes in this country. Like nothing really changes. Like nothing at all. Think about the last forty years and think about what's changed. Nothing. <laughs> nothing has really changed because America is not known for widespread change or 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 a widespread change to the system. It's just not. America has never been known for widespread development and expansion. 
It's just not. It's just not meant for that. America has always been instilled in the same values that it's been since the 80s. You know, ever since neoliberal, neoliberalism was taken in charge. You know, it's always been the same. So, again, it's to think or to insinuate that if Mary Wilson is in office, she's going to change anything. I mean, I don't think she will ever be in the office at all. But I just think at, this, at that point in time, if you're the president, you're just compromised. Like you're just compromised at that moment in time. You know, I mean, there's that uh, Bill Hicks joke where, and I think this is like one of his earlier specials, uh, where he says, uh, as soon as a president gets elected, the CIA takes them in, in the back, shows them the JFK assassination from a different perspective, from a different angle, and then says, so any questions? And again, I'm not a big fan of Bill Hicks. I mean, I, I do not like the guy. I, I, I'm not a big fan of Bill Hicks. Uh, I, I respect him because obviously he's a comedian that you know, was able to pave the way for the Carlins of the world, for... Uh, the political comics that, you know, you see today. But in terms of, you know, comedy, like, I wasn't that much inspired by it. But again, he's right. He's right. At the end of the day, you will be co-opted by the MIC. You will be co-opted by Chase Bank, by JP Morgan. You will be co-opted by Wall Street. You will be co-opted by Blackstone and by BlackRock. Those are the individuals, those are the suitors that you got to please. Not the American people, but those that actually have power that actually make the rules and decisions for the governing legislation. So again, it's, it's one of those things where you look at it and think to yourself, if all these individuals have their hand in the pot, if all these individuals are getting their piece of the pie, then why should I be invested in it? Why should I care? Why should I spend all my waking time to really talk about this? Because if you just talk about it, you're not exposing anything. Like uh, for me, like as I sit here and say to you that these corporations are what people in office please and suit for, it's not changing anything. I mean, I'm just I'm just saying what's what is the obvious here, you know. So it's it's one of those things where the more I talk about politics, the more I realize I, I just I just don't have a place in it. I just don't like I don't know what my place is in. Like what who what what is that guy? or woman, or whatever president, or whatever politician, should I look at and think to myself, oh yeah, that person is genuine and well-intentioned. Bernie, maybe, maybe Bernie, but again, Bernie has been quite a, quite a loyalist to the party for quite some time now, so I, I don't know about that. Marianne Williamson, I mean, I mean, she's good every four years when she runs for office. The squad, those individuals, the ones that still want to keep funding Ukraine and, and, you know, are too busy, you know, discussing about Latinx instead of actually fighting for universal health care. You know, like, who's that person? Even on the right, like, the right's just as bad, if not worse, than, like, the left-wing populist, to be honest with you. Like, Matt Gates, the guy who's involved with trafficking? You know, like, who is that person that I should look at and think to myself, oh, yeah, that's a well-intentioned guy that wants the best for the American people. Like, who is that guy? Donald Trump, the guy that governed no differently than Jeb Bush and Mitt Romney would have if they were presidents? Ron DeSantis, Mr. Israel, the guy that, that just wants to, you know, continue killing the, the, the lives of Palestinians. Like, that's the guy? Like, Ron DeSantis? Like, who? Mike Pence, the guy that, you know, wants a national abortion ban? Like, who is that guy that we could look at and think to ourselves, oh, yeah, that guy truly wants to help out America? And, I, and if you have any comments on that, leave them down below. I, I want to see somebody... That is well-intentioned. Like, where are the Ron Pauls in office? Like, at least with Ron Paul, at least you can, you got a guy that really stood up for what he believed in. Where are the Dennis Kucinich's? Where are these individuals? Again, my audio file was deleted, so uh, bear with me here. 
But again, where are these individuals? Where are they? Anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it's just, it, it's one of those things where you look at it and think to yourself, I, I, I just can't. I, I don't know my place. I don't, I do not know my place. I'm 24 years old and I'm so disillusioned by our current political system where I don't really think I could ever vote again. Like, I really don't think so. I don't think that this political system represents any of our voices whatsoever because as we all know they can easily just swing their election to their favor whether it was the 2000 election whether it was the 2004 election whether it was the 1960 election where the chicago mafia got you know jfk in office research that if you want to but again it, it, like what is our place in this like what is our place what is my place you know like why why focus on that you know like why should i partake in a system where i know that the outcome is as true as a wrestling outcome and that to me i know i'm mentioning wrestling a lot i'm excited for wrestlemania that's why i'm excited for the bloodline storyline uh i'm a i'm a dork i, I admit that i'm a i'm a full-fledged dork I'm a, I'm a, yeah but anyways it is what it is you know it's as real as wrestling nowadays and i for one just can't seem to be in it I, I just can't i enjoy the storylines because obviously anything that's like a wrestling like storyline i will eat up and i will enjoy but in terms of like actual legislative accomplishments there's no one in office that is able to do that at all and that's quite concerning at least back in the day you knew that there were people that stood up for what they believed in ron paul stood up for raw milk and people laughed at it, but he was like, you know what? I'm going to be honest about it. I like raw milk, and I'm going to make sure that it's legalized. And it's like, you know what? Hey, that's a guy that wants raw milk. Dennis Kucinich was anti-war. That was his main thing. Even back in the day, back in the day, back in like 03, 04, like he was speaking upon like transgender acceptance and whatnot. I'm like, bro, this is like a, like a, like a guy that's 50 years in the future. You know, and he's saying this stuff in like 2003 through 2004. That's like crazy. Again, like, where are these individuals? I, I I just fail to see that. Like, I feel like every person in office is just in office to either be president or sell books that they were obviously ghostwritten by other individuals in their office or in their cabinet or the, who work for them. That's that's basically all a politician's life is. Insider trading, trying to run for president each and every four years, and then writing a book that was obviously ghostwritten by somebody else. That's the life of a politician nowadays. And when I see that, I'm like, then why be in office then? If, if that's what you're focused on, insider trading, if you're focused on selling books that you didn't write and, and running for office for president on, on, on the false assumption that you're somehow fit to run for president in the first place, why be a politician? That's basically what a politician is right now. I mean, that's basically what they do as of this moment in time. And it's just really sad because you, you would expect more, right? We should expect more from our governing leaders, you know, not just individuals that represent the interest of BlackRock and Blackstone, but actual individual leaders that want to see the best for our country because it's just not there right now. Anyways, politics is gay and I'm gay for even talking about it. So let's get into our last bit of discussion here. Will Smith has yet to apologize to Chris Rock. So Tucker TMZ, TMZ Tucker is in the building, you know, so all hail TMZ Tucker. Um, do, do, do. I think that's the, that's the slogan for TMZ. I don't know. I don't really follow TMZ. To be honest. This is from page six. So 
Will Smith still has not personally apologized to Chris Rock near, nearly one year after the infamous Oscar slap, a source tells Page Six. Following the release of Rock's searing Netflix special, Selective Outrage, in which he joked about watching Smith's slavery movie and Pansipation just to see him get whooped, which, as we all know, is the funniest joke you can ever say. That is the best joke of that entire special. If you're going to watch that special, Selective Outrage, for one joke and one joke only, that joke. That is that one joke that you got to watch because it is hilarious. The way that he's able to really inflect his voice and offer that Chris Rock cadence in that joke and still make it funny for a mostly black audience, that was goddamn hilarious. And he deserves all his flowers while he's still alive. He is one of the best comedians working today uh, and probably one of the best comedians to ever do it. And what she joked, yeah. So uh, the insider says that it is even more unlikely that Hollywood highlights will ever make up. Will did call Chris last year after the Oscars, but Chris didn't pick up, and they haven't spoken since. A source uh, who knows both, uh, who knows both men, tells Page Six exclusively. Uh, Smith, 54, has apologized for the incident twice via Instagram in a written statement the day after the award show in March 2022, and in an emotional video in July. Will's two public apologies were all about saving his own reputation. The source claims to us Will has not apologized to Chris Rock in person, and Chris isn't expecting it. Which, again, shows you the bitch-assness of Will Smith. And, I, and again, I'm sorry for the swear. I'm, I'm just mad, right? I'm just mad that the audio file was deleted. I'm sure anyone who runs a podcast knows that same feeling, where you're like, I guess I gotta do this entire thing again. But again, it just shows the petulance, the childishness of Will Smith uh, for not really apologizing for a comedian who did, who basically did his own job. His job was to tell a joke at that award show, and he did it. If you want to argue about the merits of the joke, whether or not it was funny or not, hey, be my guest. I didn't really think the joke was that funny. Uh, but at least it's a joke, right? He was going for a joke. He was paid to say jokes on stage. And to, to go like that, uh, whatever. It, it's just so dumb. It's just so dumb. It really is. Uh, in fact, Rock58 is ready to move on, back to the article, is ready to move on now that he has said his piece in his live special. That was clo- This was closure for Chris. Uh, our sources say he wants to do that in a safe space. The insider also denies a recent People magazine report that claimed Rock chose to film a special in Baltimore because Pink and Smith 51 grew up there. Uh, I don't know why they included the ages, but I really find it hilarious because these are all people in their 50s and they're acting like they're 24, like they're my age, uh, which is funny. Uh, he performed there five times last year, and he loves the audience. This horse explains. So overall, I think we're all having Chris Rock, Will Smith fatigue now. Like I feel like a lot of individuals are just tired of it. They're tired. There's only so many things you can really say about it. There's only so many things that you can really discuss about it. So this will be the last time I'll discuss Will Smith and Chris Rock on this podcast for quite some time, unless they bubble up and let's again to actual fisticuffs or somebody murders and the other individual uh this will be the only other time that i will discuss this will be the last time that i'll discuss chris rock and will smith because at some point something's got to give here right at some point like we got to go on with our lives it, it's been a year now why are we still talking about it so this will be the last time all right this will be the last time i discuss it and then we'll move on to some you know dumb stuff like uh uh like dumber comedy beefs like this um so yeah Last time I discussed it, but the one thing that do, that I do want to say is that I really wish Chris Rock said something in the moment. I really wish, like something like, "Oh, that slap will take me out till August," you know, just something like that, right? Like, "Oh, you slapped my cheeks. I bet. I I wonder who slapped your wife's cheeks harder." You know, just like some dumb stuff that come that is just like off the cuff that references 
what happened to your wife, you know? I'd just be like, I'm sure that that wouldn't happen if, if we were sitting down at the red table, you know? Or just do something like that. Just be like, oh, wow, I, if you think the ratings for this Oscars will be something, uh, wait till I sit down with Will Smith at the red table. I mean, just like some dumb thing to like mention it. Just don't be like, well, Will Smith just slapped the shit out of me. Anyways, best documentary. Like, it just it just makes no sense. Like, it makes no sense. You say, I really wish Chris Rock said something. Because as we all know, Chris Rock is one of the best comedians to ever do it. All right, whether it's Bring the Pain, Bigger and Blacker, Born Suspect, um, which is a very, very hilarious comedy album back back in like the early 90s that he released. I think it was really like Jordan Grade 5, so on that album, I don't know. I don't know that much about sneaker culture. But if he was like that, if he, I mean, he Chris Rock is one of the best comedians to ever do it. And I really just wish he was able to be funny off the cuff at that moment. Because as we all know, he's funny written. Like, like writing jokes is Chris Rock's forte. That is what that is his bread and butter. You know, he is a guy that focuses solely on his own material, on his own craft. You know, clearly doesn't get any input from other other from any other comedians. Focuses on his own craft, on his own jokes. That's who he is, and that's what we've come to expect from him. You know, so for me, like when I when I when I saw that, I'm like, oh my god! Like, I really just wish he was like off the cuff funny. Because again, like this is a guy that I grew up watching. Like, I don't think people understand this. Like, when I was in elementary school, I would sit down, watch the CW, and watch Everybody Hates Chris with my dad. And that's like some of the biggest memories that I have with my dad before going to school the next day was watching Everybody Hates Chris, uh, a show that was based off Chris Rock's life. And and that's what really made me inspired to really watch Chris Rock was because of that show. So for me, I have a lot of love and appreciation for Chris Rock. I mean, he's he's been a big influence on me. Even though I don't have the same sort of comedy style as Chris Rock per se, I don't really talk about politics that much. Uh, in terms of just having that energy and just always wanting to write more and, and be the best that I can possibly be, I, that's what I attribute to is Chris Rock. And and. Again, I just really wish he was funny off the cuff. And to be honest with you, I think the legacy of Chris Rock will be that much bigger than Will Smith will ever have. Because at the end of the day, Will Smith is an actor. He writes, he he states the dialogue that was written by smarter, more sophisticated people than him. Right? With Chris Rock, it's completely different. Like, to me, I think people will view Chris Rock in a much more positive light when it's all said and done than Will Smith. Because at the end of the day, his true colors shine in that. You know, his true colors shined in that moment. He had the opportunity to be the bigger mind, to be the bigger man, to to practice what he preached, to to be that clean cut guy that didn't swear. And then you see him swearing at, on the Oscars, on live television, and making an ass out of himself. And you're like, oh, yeah, this was the guy. This guy was fraudulent from the get go. And he's always been that fraudulent guy since the beginning of his career. So, again, I think to me right now, and again, I'm sorry if I'm irate, if I'm very like sort of pent up. Again, my audio file was deleted, so my apologies there. But and I'm still going to bring that up, GarageBand. Like, like I I tried to save it many many times, and I tried to export it to song to disc many many times, and for some reason it still did not go through well. Um, but anyways, overall, I I think at this moment in time, what should be the focus for for Will Smith is just just shut up, just. Stop being in front of our faces every fucking day. Stop it. It makes no sense whatsoever. And I'm so I apologize for the swear. YouTube, if you're watching, uh, YouTube algorithm, if you're watching, I'm sorry for the swear. Won't happen again in this podcast. But 
just stop it. Just stop focusing on 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 trying to make content and, and stop trying to focus on trying to get in the good graces of people. Because at the end of the day, people see you for what you are, which is a phony. And yeah, while you shouldn't have been banned from the Oscars for like ten years, obviously that's a little too barbaric. If anything, I, I if I was if I were the Oscars, I would put Will Smith and Chris Rock up on that stage announcing the nominees for best documentary. That's what I would do if I was the Oscars. If I were the Oscars and if I rallied ratings, which I know the Oscars clearly don't value, but if I were the Oscars and if I value ratings, I would have Chris Rock and Will Smith on that stage at the Nokia Theater being, you know, saying, "Hey, here are the nominees for best documentary," and they would slap each other as hard as they can. Uh, that's what I would do. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, I'll, I'll obviously have Will Smith and Chris Rock be on that and uh, make amends. And uh, that's what I would do. And, and honestly, at this one time, I would also just have like Kevin Spacey up there, you know, announcing the best, the nominees for best actress, you know, or best actor. I mean, I think you swing in that way. Uh, that's what I would have. You just have all the bad people, all the bad hombres come out, all the Me Too victims uh, come out <laughs> and announce awards to the actual successful people that would be hilarious if that happened that should be a sketch just have like all the people that were accused of me too just come on out on the oscars and announce the nominees for select awards that should be a sketch and i'll definitely write it and i'll definitely do it no i won't but uh, you get the idea you catch my drift there right i i think that would be hilarious if that was the case like you just saw like Harvey Weinstein just be like, here and here are the awards for the, for best executive producer. <laughs> All right, I. Uh, but to be honest, with you, getting back into the point of discussion here with Chris Rock, you know, to me, you know, Chris Rock will always be that guy. You know, he will always be the guy. And to me, I think if you're a comedian, and if you see what happened to Chris Rock last year, if you see Ricky Gervais and how Ricky Gervais didn't do well in the room at the Golden Globes, but did well online. Why would I ever do an award show? Unless the money is good, I would never do an award show if I was a... If, I mean, I'm a comedian right now, right? So maybe I'm not the best guy to be asked this question because I will do anything, like, as long as it, you know, as long as it helps me, like, you know, in my own career, I'll do it. Uh, but if I was a comedian, if I'm a comedian, right, and if I'm of that caliber, and if I'm making money through my Netflix specials, touring, through other uh, inv- involvements, other investments, other projects, why on earth would I do an award show? I just watched Hasan Minhaj do the IFC award show, the Independent Spirit Awards, where he, they announced like the best movies in independent cinema. And by all accounts, he bombed in that room. It was funny on video because he was bombing in that room, but it, to me, like he was bombing in the room and it was quite clear that he was bombing in the room because nobody in Hollywood has a, a, a humorous bone in their body. So why continue doing these award shows? If you're a comedian, stop doing these award shows. Like the only incentive to do these award shows is that maybe you can rub shoulders with some high exec from high level exec from Amazon Prime or, or Netflix. Like that's that's the pinnacle of doing an award show nowadays is just being able to rub shoulders and go to the same vanity fair party as some you know high level zik from 
uh, you know, Fox Searchlight. And I'm not saying that's a wrong, that's bad. I'm, I'm, I mean, I would definitely take that offer as well. But I'm just saying that what's the incentive if that's the best thing to do? If that's the best case scenario, getting a voice acting role on some nothing show that you know will be off the air for three seasons. It's like, what's the point? Like, if if you do, if you don't do well in the room, if nobody there likes you, if nobody there truly respects your craft then why even do it at that moment in time? You know, what's the point? What's the incentive to continue doing these award shows where you truly aren't even accepted? For the average working guy, for the average working man, they love stand-up comedy. For them, stand-up comedy is the preferable art form. It's the preferable craft. But the people in the room don't get it. They don't get it. They think that, they think that oh, they're, you know, $15 million movie that made $30 million back in the office, in the box office, and is by all means a critical and commercial flop. They think that that matters, you know? I mean, and again, maybe that does matter. I'm not trying to hate on independent movies here. Obviously, I think independent movies are way much better than Marvel movies, but I'm just saying that the 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 insufferableness that comes out of it, the entitlement, it just reeks of desperation in that room. And I just don't see the, the need for a comedian to do that. Like, if you're not welcome there, what's like for me if i'm not welcome doing comedy i'm like you know what i can read the room if you don't want this i'm still going to do my set because i want to get better doing this but if you don't enjoy this i i don't want to waste your time here right like if you don't want to do comedy if you don't want to see any comedian on this lineup do comedy then just leave or i should just leave you know so that's sort of what it comes down to where it's like at this moment in time chris rock makes so much money he's so successful right he's change stand-up comedy for the better you know i mean i remember bigger and blacker when bigger and blacker first came out there was so much discussion of like oh is chris rock selling out you know as, as soon as bring the pain came out you know and as soon as black people versus n-words that bit came out there are so many people within the black community that are like oh my god is chris rock selling out is chris rock selling out why is he making these bits that are purely made for white people and I'm sure there were black people in that time that were enjoying that bit. But there was a fair share of people from the black community that are like, oh, my God, why is he saying this? Why is he putting us down on this level? And then he made bigger and blacker as as a response to that, saying that, no, I'm still a part of this community and I'm going to make this uh, this special for our own community. And that's one of the best specials that he's ever released. And it really goes to show you of 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 how he's able to, you know, tread on that thin line of, you know, being accepted by his own community, but also having exposure from the pop culture sphere, which is a very narrow and thin line to do. There are very few comedians that are able to tread on that line in a very sharp way, in a very skillful way. And Chris Rock exemplifies that to the T. So to me, I just have so much love and respect for Chris Rock. And I think the overall legacy of Chris Rock will exceed that of Will Smith, right? I don't care what roles Will Smith has ever done. At the end of the day, they, it does not beat Chris Rock explaining that if you want to end gun violence, you got to increase the price of the bullet. That, to me, is one of the most genius bits I've ever heard in my entire life. You know, and, and maybe I'm coming at this from a very biased perspective because I'm a comedian, but to me, I just do not, I, I just can't, I'm just so sick and tired of Will. I'm, I'm just so sick, whether it's him on Red Table Talk, whether it's him with his kids, I, I mean, I just... I just, I just can't. I just can't handle this like fake persona of him being America's dad, even though he's truly not. He's just truly filling in that void of thinking that he should be that character. It's kind of sad, honestly. Like he's living a, he's he's a living walking paradox, and I hope he gets the hope that he deserves.
So anyways, guys, I think that's it for the top for the podcast for today. So guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. I will be so mad if for some reason this audio file does not get saved because I don't know if I'll do this again. But anyways, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, click the bell icon for notifications down below. Make sure you follow me on my Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I misspelled my name last time, so I'll not be doing it again. I will not be spelling my own name. That's how dumb I am as a person, you know. So I was going to say the arsler, uh, but again, I, I said fuck. So I, I'm not. I don't know if I should. So, anyways, follow me on my Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Make sure you subscribe to me on my podcast channel, my podcast clip channel, my stand-up channel. All the links are down in the description box below. Make sure you rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And last but not least, make sure you spread the word through your text chains, through your group threads. I think having more and more people involved in this podcast, more and more people invest in this podcast is always great. And as always, if you have any questions or comments down below on any of the topics that I discuss, feel free to put them down and I'll do my best to respond to them. If you put on like a YouTube short, I don't know if I'll be responding to it because I just don't like the YouTube short situation, in my opinion. I just don't think it's conducive for long form conversations. I just don't. So if you can leave a, a comment on the actual full length video, to me, that'll do me wonders because it actually means you actually heard the entire video instead of just taking a select sound bite that I put out. Obviously, it's my fault, you know, because you got to put it under a minute. But I think it will do wonders if you're just able to comment down below on any of the topics that I discussed. Uh, so, yeah, anyways, guys, thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you guys on Tuesday. Enjoy your weekend. Spend time with your family and friends and watch some tennis along the way. I think the Indian Wells is happening this week. I should probably know. I'm, uh, I should probably know. Uh, but, yeah, Indian Wells is happening probably this week. Uh, anyways, guys, peace. See y'all.